Hello and welcome to episode 332 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fans Weekly Podcast of Many Topics. I'm Mike Solosi, and it's great to be back again talking about Suikoden again, but this time specifically Suikoden the First, a game that has been on our list of uh, games to maybe play for the podcast for years and years. But we decided to play the Suikoden games in the order that they were meant to be played, which is 2, 5, 3, 1. Uh, that is, of course, a joke. That is just the, re- the, the order that we somehow decided to play them in. And for each of those podcasts, we've had a wildly different panel. But what's the panel for this playthrough of Suikoden 1 for Retro Encounter? Let's introduce them, starting with Jono Logan. Hello, everyone. And Zach Blackman. Well, oh, th- thanks, Jono. A surprise to no one, I am here. <laughs> and joining Jono, Zach, and I is Corey Tishbein. Hey there. Uh, Jono, Corey, Zach, we have all different levels of familiarity with this game and this series. Uh, Zach, uh, tell us a little bit about your Suikoden background. So I originally played Suikoden 1, not on release, um, because I didn't get a PlayStation until maybe two or three months after, the, after Final Fantasy VII came out. Um, but I think it was the third RPG I played after I played Final Fantasy VII, after like Wild Arms, and then I think I played this. Um, and I remember really liking it, but I have played it so many times since then. Um, like I, the first time I played it, I didn't even know like 108 stars were a thing, and so I just played it. Um, and you know there are consequences for that. Um, and then I played Suikoden Two, and I found out like, oh. You need all 108 to get like the best character in Suikoden 2. I'm like, oh, all right. I guess I'll go back and play Suikoden 1 now. And then I did that immediately. And then I played Suikoden 2 again immediately because I like Suikoden 2 that much. Um, but I've played them all. Um, I played Suikoden 1 and 2 no fewer than 10 times a piece. Um, I-, I love these games. Um, coming off of some of the games I played recently, I was even more impressed with this one. Uh, it's the economy of storytelling. But yeah, I. I, I played a lot of Suikoden. Yeah, economy of storytelling is another way of saying this game is a little old school and stuff happens real fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Almost at a breakneck pace. And, you know, maybe we should be a little bit informative for the audience. Uh, this is Suikoden 1. It's one of the first RPGs that came out for the PlayStation. came out in uh, mid-1995 in Japan. And if you can name the two older R- PS1 RPGs, then Suikoden, I'll, I'll Venmo you five bucks because I was surprised to learn this. Any any takers? Gosh. Beyond the Beyond and I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> it's Beyond the Beyond, which is the first PlayStation One RPG, and Kingsfield Two, which is that that you know that uh um from software before they became the Soul Studio. Um, but uh yeah, and Beyond the Beyond is I've said many times is probably my least favorite G- JRPG. Like I, I played that game at a sleepover many many years ago, and we were all excited for. Final Fantasy VII coming out in eight months or whatever, whatever the time was, and I felt betrayed by <laughs> by a genre I had recently fallen in love with <laughs> by the end of the evening. But um, this is not a Beyond the Beyond podcast. I don't know if we'll ever do that one. This is a Suikoden podcast. Suikoden is from Konami back in the days when they made video games. Uh, Suikoden translates to Water Margin in Japanese. Water Margin is a very famous Chinese work of literature and is about 108 heroes defeating a warlord. More complicated than that, I know. And so a lot of the concepts from the Chinese novel Water Margin made it to this RPG, which is not an adaptation of the novel. It's its own thing. But it's, it has, you know, the 108 heroes coming together for a common cause and this sort of with, with them, a lot of the thrust of the story being the gathering of the heroes. It's sort of 
is, is sort of the vibe that Suikoden creates. It, it, they, it has all these big ideas for an RPG of things like nation building and corruption and being a, a liberation army rather than just saving the world from a vaguely uh, supernatural threat. It's, it's, it's a, you know, it, it's a, it's a real military threat with it, with some, with supernatural elements surrounding it. It feels very grounded. Yeah. And, and, I, but the, the thing to me about Suikoden is building your army, uh, building your castle, sort of gathering everyone together. And Suikoden one distills that feeling into a pretty brisk experience. Uh, and I'll, I, Zach already talked about his Suikoden background. I'll go into mine. Um, I sort of knew about Suikoden for years and years, didn't really play it at all. I tried Suikoden 1 and 3 at different times from rentals, but didn't get far into either, until I finally played Suikoden 2 for the podcast in 2018. Loved it. Played Suikoden 3 for the podcast in 2021. Really liked it, not as much as Suikoden 2. And now I decided, all right, I'll go, let's go back in time a little bit and play Suikoden 1. Uh, and then maybe next year we can do a podcast on Auden 100 Heroes as it's, you know, for a bit of a, a Suikoden uh, coda. And I'm, I'm, but, but now that I'm in it, I really, really like Suikoden. I loved 2. And now playing this and seeing some of the characters from Suikoden 2 makes me kind of want to replay Suikoden 2, even though it's been less than four years. Uh, but, uh, but Corey, you're, um, like me, you're also a relative Suikoden newcomer. What's been your early impressions of it so far? So far, I'm pretty impressed. I'm about a third of the way through the game, but there are a number of interesting systems that work pretty well together. It's kind of an ambitious game. Um, it's grounded, and it definitely has an economy of storytelling, but it also sets up a lot of interesting systems that later titles iterate on. Um, so so far, my biggest uh, takeaway from the game is that I'm really digging the recruitable characters mechanic. Um, I like running into characters, recruiting them, and then watching them contribute to the operations at the, um, the headquarters. I always enjoyed base building mechanics that add to a sense of progression, but it's really strong here. Um, oh, yeah. And then building on what I think it was Zach's economy of storytelling idea, this game is super breezy. Um, it centers around what seems to me to be like a pretty fast-paced loop of like quests, dungeons, boss fights, new towns, and you rinse and repeat. You're never really doing the same thing for um, very long. You're never really stuck in the same place for too long. So I have not been bored at all. And there's a lot of momentum underlying everything. Like maybe too much momentum. <laughs> like it's kind of like a faster paced version of Final Fantasy IV in my mind. Um, but so far I'm liking it a lot. Yeah, I don't think I've, I've sat in a dungeon for longer than 20 minutes. Like the game has... A lot of RPG trappings that we're used to, uh, checking out towns, finding, talking to the right people, getting the event flag set up, doing a dungeon, fighting a boss. But like you said, Corey, you're not doing one thing for very long in this game. And sometimes the plot points hit you so fast that it seems maybe not overwhelming, but just like a, whoa, that, that, like, that just happened a little fast. Um, when maybe we're used to a slower pace of storytelling, if you're like me and, and played dozens of final fantasy and dragon quest games before your first suikoden game but uh but but this game is always rewarding you that you're seeing people all the time that are joining your army or if you talk to someone with a portrait then you know you'll feel in the back of your mind oh i bet i can recruit them later and you probably can and there's this game's always rewarding you for just doing a tiny bit more exploring um and 
and and sort of centers that reward feedback loop on finding more characters, building your base, and that, which is just really satisfying. I I think I've recruited between thirty and thirty five characters so far. I'm I'm probably just a little bit ahead further than you are in the game, Corey. Uh, but I'm really enjoying every moment of it. And is this your first weekend in game? I, I I think that's a yes, but I forgot that. Yeah, um, I guess I'm the polar opposite of Zach. Before playing um, <laughs> Sweden for this podcast, I've I've never played any of the entries. I remember learning about them and hearing about them a long, long time ago. Um, but before the 2010s, I mean, all I really knew about the series was that it had this character recruitment mechanic that was pretty robust. Um, and so I've been itching to play it for a long while now. Um, and this podcast was perfectly timed for this. I read about Suikoden one and two mostly on gaming forums in the early 2000s then i rented the first one and it didn't connect with me but then you know giving it an appropriate time and finally playing it uh in my you know decades later now now i'm really really digging it and when we played suikoden 2 a couple of years ago um i did not play suikoden 1 ahead of time i just went right into 2 and i had a good time but now that i'm seeing the story connections i i see how it's how Zach has it right uh, is very rewarding playing one and two in succession. That's what Alana did for this weekend in two podcast. Uh, and again, that was the right call. But uh, Jono, you have, um, this is not your first time playing Sweet and uh, What's your Sweet and background and experience like? Uh, I don't remember the first time I've heard about the game. Presumably I saw something about it in Game Players Magazine. Uh, but I do remember I, I rented it from Abercrombie Video. Uh, probably, you know, I really liked it, but it was a rental, so... I ain't going to be able to beat uh, Suikoden in a weekend. Uh, I think I rented it a few times, probably. But it wasn't until I got, like, the when game FAQs came out, that was probably the point where I actually was able to play through the entire game. Uh, and I really, really liked it. Um, and obviously, I went from there to Suikoden 2 and adore that game. It's probably one of the best PlayStation games ever made. Um, certainly one of the best RPGs. Um, I like this game a lot. I don't have really anything uh, super critical to say about it. I have critiques, as I think we all do, uh, which we'll be talking about. But yeah, it's a solid game. It's a lot of fun. Uh, the it, the base building mechanics are cool, not just because you get uh, additional functionality out of like uh, stores and things like that, but you also get to see certain areas your castle build up with like a sense of community like certain groups of people band together into various areas of your castle. Uh, so like families, for example, or like formal Imperials uh, kind of get their own little tower. And I really like that. That's a, that's a nice thing to see as you play it. I think it's an amazing foundation for a game series, which uh, has done some remarkable things and some not remarkable things, but we're not talking about those games. Uh, and in your like t talking about how the different kinds of characters group up together that that represents itself in gameplay also uh th this game has unite attacks which are you know similar to dual text or triple text from chrono trigger where characters of that you know have some kind of relationship or connection can do like super attacks simultaneously and some of the unite attacks are hella strong uh you can get a lot of m my mileage out of the tier kai uh uh, master student attack that's the and, best attack in the game it just clears out mobs like instantly yeah and uh the maybe my favorite one is the one that the uh uh one, one that the bandits get of oh, zach I, what are the names I, I i can't remember them for the life of me it's varkas and Sidonia. yeah varkas and Sidonia, which start out as a boss you fight earlier in the game 
then uh, you sort of do them dirty by sending them to prison, then you free them from prison, then they join your army later and have an awesome double uh, unite attack. And I was a little bit mad at myself when the game forced me to uh, replace one of them in my party at a at, at a at a later stage because because one thing that co goes hand in hand with the character recruiting in this game and the sort of brisk uh, pace of the plot is that there's always people coming and going like you'll do a side quest four people will join you on the next side quest you're required to bring these three people along they'll meet more people there but you still have the freedom to choose about two or three of your yeah. six person party it's uh just there's always there's always a revolving door of people that encourage experimentation with things like unite attacks and uh and different weirdos uh ro individual runes and weapons uh, i tried bringing on the cook for a, for a round of side questing and it turns out he sucks uh but then i brought both fishermen along and it turns out their unite is strong as hell but uh but stuns both of them afterwards yeah, I mean, I think it's both a weakness and a strength of this game um, that it forces you to switch people out. And like, I'm like, please let me leave Gremio at home. Oh my goodness! I wish I could leave him at uh, home. He is yeah. so average. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. Average is a nice way of putting it. Um, but um, I, I, yeah, I, I have more to say about Gremio in part two in particular. But the thing that I like about it though is like you can see them learning from that experience in two through five. And especially by the time you get to five, like you can just throw them in your convoy. Like they don't have to be part of your party. Like they can still be there, but they don't have to. They don't have to fight. They're just there. Um, but yeah, in Sweet in One, like the volume of times I had to use, like there's a time you have to use a thief that is like totally garbage in battle later in the game. And I'm like, what? Oh, no, is there I is there someone I should be leveling up now? Because yeah, I, 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 it, it, this game is so easy. Like it doesn't. All right. Matter. Yeah. I, I've, <laughs> again, I think I've had. A frontline die, have an unlucky critical hit, and and uh, and not get experience from the boss, and that's about the that's the most stress yeah. I've ever had in that's, this game. <laughs> that you, you you've essentially experienced the most stress you'll experience in this game. <laughs> it's not hard. Like there is one time when you fight two boss battles in a row, like late. Um, I struggled with that a little bit this time because I didn't pay attention at all to anything that was happening because this game's so easy. But point is that I I like seeing them improve on things like the party members you have to bring with you like Nanami is annoying to bring with you a lot but at least she's a slightly more useful um by the time you get to five like Leon who is like the version of Gremio and Nanami is actually busted and she always has to be in your party and that's awesome and I'm fine with that so yeah at least Nanami was fast and like the best item yeah. user in the game um, yeah, Gremio I is throw just... a water rune on her and she's she's excellent yeah, she like again. She's the best medicine user in the game, and I've used so many medicines in this game. Like yeah. they they give you so many healing items that I don't think I've had to buy a single one. Um, uh, I, and and I have you know like as long as you, you know, find a couple characters you like and keep your weapons sharp, then you're you're mostly okay. Like like mm -hmm. your basic RPG instincts will will uh, serve you well here. It's it's like just just um use magic judiciously. Watch your a watch your AP. And I'm sorry, watch your HP. Uh, if the magic system is, is based on ranks, which is kind of like old school NES Final Fantasy three. Mm -hmm. But uh, but 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 mostly works. And I, I'm I'm I, I really dig it. Like this game feels feels dated, but not bad. So the part of me that loves RPGs from 1995 is is right at home. here. Uh, but uh, uh, Corey, this is your first time playing the game, and and again, you definitely 
resonated with the character recruiting and, and castle building as all of us have. Um, have you found a, a, a couple of favorite characters that you like having around the most? Um, so far I've been playing around with, I think it's Leo. Well, she's got good, uh, magic attack. I've been using her a lot. Um, I've struggled with Gremmy. I mean, he, he's just stuck in my party, as y'all said, and he, I think I would call him less than average. Yeah, but who will protect yeah. Young Master if he's not there? <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> yeah, I wonder, I wonder if, the, if uh, Tyr is a Waka Young Master or a Goshujin Master. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure either, but I think not to jump into criticism too heavily too early, the characters, you don't really learn a whole lot about them. So I don't feel a particular attachment to any of them quite yet. Maybe that'll change as the game goes on. Um, but in battle, I've been using, unfortunately, Gremio a lot, Leo, um, Tier, of course, Look, uh, Luck. I don't know how to. Say oh, Luke. Name. Yeah. Not Luke. Um, they're pretty solid as well. Those are the four that stick out to me. Luke is in the first three Suikoden's. I'm, I'm, uh, I, I, I don't want to talk about him too much because that might spoil something for you. But he's always like, oh, Luke, Luke's my party. Great. Now I have good wind magic the whole rest of the game. Um, and uh, or gate rooms. If you're playing oh, oh yeah, 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 gate, yeah, or uh, yeah, blue gates and sweep it in too. Oh, oh man, yeah. like you, you want at least a couple blue gators in that game. Yeah. Uh, is 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 there a gator or a blue gate in sweep it in one? I haven't found. One. I don't think so. No. Okay, I see that. Um, but I'm 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 a little bit frustrated because I I I think I have I've had very bad luck finding elemental magic rooms in this game. I I think the only one I have is Luke's wind rune and the fire rune that they give you. For free near the beginning and i'm so i'm just desperate to find a water rune for healing magic or a, a, a lightning room for some more offense but i i think i think i'm getting one wait no 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 i, I did get a lightning room from uh from sheena yeah so so i'm not finding a steady stream of fancy runes for customization uh like i did in suikoden 2 and also uh characters can only equip one rune in this game while in suikoden 2 they get to equip one to their left hand, one to their right hand, and one to their head. So there's way more customization options per character. But uh, but Suikoden 1 is scratching the itch with its pretty functional battle system and a lot of customization with, uh, with character loadouts. And I mentioned that characters are sort of always coming and going in my party. Like, for a while, I, I used the two fishermen for a while, and then one uh, quest later, then for the next set of quests... I'm using uh, I'm using the two bandits a lot, and then for the quests I recently finished in uh, um, uh, in the in the El in the great forest with the elf and dwarven villages, I used Pan and Gremio together, and their unite skill made me le uh, dislike Gremio a lot less. Um, and also introduced my probably my favorite character uh, so far, Valeria, who is just a a badass warrior woman and, and that's She's something beast. I, that's something i always enjoy in these kind of games like oh you 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 mean a sword maiden that's awesome the whole game sign me up but so she, she's maybe my uh my mvp other than tier himself because it, let's go into the story a little bit next because uh tier has instant death magic that works all the time it's so good it's it, it's, it's almost so good. too good it doesn't it doesn't work on bosses which is totally fair but basically giving you a delete button for four or five yeah. times per dungeon is now awesome. Now you know why I chose Tur in the first pick of the Suikoden draft. Yes, yeah, spoiler <laughs> alert for the first five minutes of the previous podcast episode, Tur was the number one overall pick. 
I, you know, I have some regrets about that, uh, about my choices there. I, th I really should, I really should have gone with Rena over Emily, but that, uh, that, that's not quite here nor there. Um, uh, Tear is good as hell in this game. Uh, mm -hmm. you get a rune of life and death at, let's say, the two hour mark or so, and I already, and I, I haven't unlocked his second spell yet, but I already can't wait because, I mean, it, it, when, when I know there's going to be four spells. And the weakest one is a delete button. I, of course, I'm excited for the other three. I mean, the level three is a delete the whole field spell. So awesome. <laughs> it's, it's, and the level two is good. Level four hits super hard. Uh, Tur is, is amazing. Yeah, it's, it's crazy powerful. But now let's get into maybe who Tyr slash Tur is. The main character of Suikoden 1 is Tyr or Tur MacDole, who is the uh, son of a general in the Greg Minster Empire. Or is it called the, the, the Scarlet Moon Empire? Scarlet Moon is correct, at, yeah. Right, it's the Scarlet Moon Empire with Greg Minster at, at its capital. And so uh, your dad, right at the beginning, is sent away to, uh, to a far-off front of, the, of some ongoing conflict, and you're introduced as a junior officer in the Imperial Army. So you and your uh, bodyguards that live at home with you, uh, Pan, Cleo, Ted, and Gremio, uh, become a little uh, miniature squadron, and you're sent to run some errands for the army. You meet a witch named Leknot, who shows up in a bunch of other Suikin and games, and her apprentice Luke. You and then you're sent to a small town called Rockland, where uh, the mayor is clearly um, shirking, like is is clearly accepting bribes, or sorry, offering bribes, stealing from the populace, and withholding tax. And uh, the officer that's accompanying you to Rockland, like obviously, takes a bribe right in front of you. So it's it's communicated pretty clearly that you're you're not exactly living in the land of the good guys right now. The uh, the Scarlet Moon Empire is somewhat oppressive to its citizens, and as such, when uh, one of your um, when you're in that Rockland mission, one of your companions, Ted, uh, is mysteriously able to defeat a monster on on his own without anyone's help, and that and which is strange because Ted is a teenage orphan. And uh, which is, you know, definitely suspicious at the time. But when you finish that mission and, and go back to Gregminster, um, the officer that was with you reports to his superiors what Ted was doing and then proceeds to kidnap Ted right in front of you. Then later that night, Ted sprints back to the mansion, said, look, we got to get out of here. You need to get out of here. They're after me. Uh, Tyr, will you accept this rune on my hand? And you, you know, being a good guy and Ted's best friend say, "Okay, sure, buddy, whatever you need." And suddenly, Tear has the power over life and death that Ted has evidently had for centuries. Um, Ted mentions being alive hundreds of years uh, offhand. He's definitely some form of immortal who ha had the Soul Eater rune on his hand, um, making him immortal, but also ha being surrounded by death at all times. I, ha I don't totally understand everything about it yet, but he passes that power on to Tear, giving you. A death spell again right around our the, the maybe the 90 minute mark I'd say so yeah this whole game you're on the run from the empire because um windy the uh, the emperor's uh witch advisor really really wants that soul eater rune and that's what kicks off most of the storyline so uh what do we think about this fairly action-packed beginning they, they, they use a couple quests to communicate to you how powerful the empire is and how corrupt it is and then you're immediately a fugitive on the uh, being chased by the people you thought would be or your friends uh, from the very start. 
I mean, the thing that struck me most, and maybe this is because I literally just played Tales of Arise, which does the opposite of this, um, is the economy, as I said earlier, the economy of storytelling. Um, like, I feel like I was invested in just a couple of conversations between Ted and Tur, just a couple of conversations here and there, or with like five or six lines of dialogue, they can communicate so much about this larger world and they do that so much even with like some of the smaller recruits um where like i know that this is uh there's a much larger world at play here but like the empire is also much larger than us um i, I mean that like in a, a a storytelling perspective like i i i feel like it it does so much so quickly but the thing that i was struck with most was the fact that they were able to do it and respect our time and respect our intelligence in ways that RPGs today just don't. Um, at least a lot of them don't. Um, and, and I was really impressed by that last time. Yeah, the very beginning of the game is a little slow, but then from that, from basically the boss fight against the Ant Queen, where Ted uses his death magic, from that point on, it is very action packed. And like major events happen town to town. There's there's not like a filler episode here unless you use your own time traipsing around trying to recruit everyone you can. Which you do. At least I do. Which is encouraged, for yeah. sure. After you're made into a fugitive in your own hometown, a mysterious gentleman named Victor uh, helps you escape Gregminster. And Victor's with the Liberation Army and uh, from the get-go is trying to convince you to join the Liberation Army as well. You meet uh, the Liberation Army's Joan of Arc of sorts, uh, whose name is Odessa Silverberg, and uh, such a great name. Yeah, and uh, and uh, the other leaders in the Liberation Army, uh, Flick, and uh, uh, what is the guy's name uh, Humphrey? Humphrey, and a, and a guy starts with G. Is it is it Gonzalez? No, talking about Sanchez. Sanchez, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he made you. Well, I don't know. You know, he he looks a little bit like Sancho from Dragon Quest V. Or maybe it's I'm funny just... because Sancho is actually in this game. Oh, there's a Sancho as well. Well, sort of. Uh, I'm, I, this isn't a spoiler. No, basically, yeah, very late. <laughs> very late in the game. Yeah, you'll you'll see. Okay, you'll you'll get. You'll the... run into a Don Quixote of sorts. <laughs> yes, and Sancho. Oh, really? Oh, oh, okay. So, and Don Quixote it's and not Sancho even Panza. Sword, Zach. It is Don Quixote. Is there, <laughs> is, there is there a boss fight against a windmill? Because I I, I welcome it. <laughs> you know that would be fun, but no. All right. Well, uh, whether or not there are any men from La Mancha later in this game, um, I did not exactly understand what Zach and John were referring to, but I know that there's at least fifty more characters for me to meet and recruit. Um, because again, like, uh, where we're talking about now, the recruiting has barely started. Um, like after meeting Odessa, Odessa is very committed to the cause. The empire is corrupt. There needs to be new leadership and she wants to found a new nation, um, free from the emperor's grip and, and Wendy, the clearly evil, uh, uh, witch advisor of his, um, and a after, age. Yeah, and after you sort of run some errands for Odessa and explore the uh, explore the world nearby a little bit, um, things go very badly. the The Empire discovers their hidden base in the in the sewers of one town. Um, Odessa's killed trying to save a child that was caught in the crossfire, and uh, in one of many heartbreaking small moments, like begs you to 
throw her uh, body in the sewer so it's not discovered, and and the the people won't lose the will to fight if they've learned that she's been killed, <laughs> which is yeah, like a, a a sort of dark moment for being so early in this game. But uh, but but Tyr uh, Tyr acquiesces, becomes the new leader of the Liberation Army, and uh, s- sort of, and and again on on Odessa's prompting. Uh, goes conveniently across one border to the next town order where her brother Matthew lives and her I I think the game is like sometimes calls him a doctor sometimes calls him a tactician I think it's a (laughs) translation issue like I noticed that this last time too I was like why is he always referred to as the doctor I mean like a a doctor doctor of war he's a doctor of war (laughs) I I think he's I think he's probably just addressed as sensei which can mean doctor or teacher or a a term of respect in a number of in a number of disciplines so it's it one weakness to this game is I think the translation is a little weak like there's 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 inconsistent naming and grammatical errors and odd word choices everywhere that uh I think the story still communicates its drama and its events well enough but like you can, it, it sort of feels dated, like an oh localization wasn't good yet in 1996, um, it, it, like it, which you know it, a translation this a translation this bad would not fly in the 2020s. It would be it would be mocked in social media and our friends who are professional uh, game localizers that used to work at RPG Fan would lament not being able to work on this kind of game. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, actually, speaking of that, I like there's a, a former staffer who's playing it right now, I think, um, and like the original Japanese, and he just keeps talking about how amazing the original Japanese is, and I'm like, oh, I wish we had that localization. Uh, Would you like to do that, Stephen? I patches for it. I've looked into that, and I haven't found any. <laughs> I, I think there probably are. They probably are out there, uh, maybe for the PSP re-releases or something, but they, uh, but, but this translation is a little weak, and if Suikoden one and two were ever to be repackaged or remade. Um, I would be excited for a new translation. But uh, but it, like I said, it it's not dumbing down how good this game is necessarily. But like like I bet like if there was a more faithful or or a, at least a more faithful is the wrong word. If if this game had a more uh, better, yeah, sure, <laughs> j- j- just a, a better, more better translation. If this game had a better translation, I think the experience would be enhanced. But it's already good, and and like the plot itself is still good. But when you meet, um, yeah, when you meet Doctor Matthew Tactician Sensei, uh, it takes it takes some convincing. But he, but he, even though he's tired of sending of seeing just the horrors of war and people being sent to their deaths, he realizes that the the better choice is to take part. And you know, and and you know, have the outcome steered toward justice rather than allow suffering to happen around him. And he becomes your army's official tactician, and you know, maybe not quite as diabolically as Shu does in Suikoden Two, but it right. def- definitely shapes the direction of your army and the choices you make. I mean, I think he's the best written character in the game. I think his constant struggle against needing to fight and put basically all of these deaths on his head when he dreads it and this is something he's he left uh no spoilers but he he left uh, another group uh to avoid his struggle is genuinely touching and is woven throughout the game i th- i think he's the best written character in the game in his arc i i actually i mean i generally agree i think matthew is a great character um the i we all know i love the tacticians in suikoden but um it it actually gets to a, a a slight criticism I have of this game in that they 
always like the way you recruit Matthew is like, oh, the Empire comes in, and they do something horrible, like immediately when you try to recruit him. And so frequently that happens throughout this game, like it has to touch them personally before they make that decision. Um, and like in ways that make it like very obvious, like, all right, like obviously you have to join us now. Whereas in other Suikoden games, I feel like they deal more in shades of gray and more in like the characters being characters. Whereas here, I feel like it's always like, oh, you mess with something personal to me. This happens with Lapont, which we haven't talked about yet. Yeah, no, Lapont um, is is right after Matthew, and right. you you have this big scheme to try and get Lapont to join you because Matthew's like Lapont's a former a former commander and a great warrior. He'd be perfect for our cause. And it's only when Com- Commander Craze goes after his wife that like, oh, okay, now I will fight the Empire. Um, and I feel like it's realistic. I guess like I feel like that's the way most people think. Unless it like touches them personally, they don't get they don't care. Um, I, I, even I think in, our I think what we are euphemistically calling an economy of story uh, is responsible for that. There's not a lot of whole, there's not a lot of room for gray in economy of stories. It's very short, like stories that really move real quick generally tend to be black and white. And that's not a criticism of the game. It's just the time it was created and the fact that there's a lot to get through. And I mean, it's very naked with, with LaPont, like uh, Zach said, um, you have this big scheme to break into Lapont's house and steal his ceremonial sword and and trade the sword for Lapont's cooperation. But but uh, ev- like eventually, you 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 realize like yeah, I'm we're sorry, we we're not really thieves. Here's your sword back. And then Lapont doesn't is unwilling to join you until uh they have his his wife at knife point basically, and at, at which point um him and his wife do join you and you can uh, find their philandering son one town over. Uh, and and their their son is one of the best characters in Suikoden too. Ironically, he's uh, not quite as broken here, unfortunately. <laughs> he seems like a normal front guy, a normal yeah. frontline guy now. While in Suikoden two, he's like one of the top two or three characters in the game. Yep, and Killy both destroy. Um, yeah, I mean, I I agree with your point, Jono, um, that it's about economy of storytelling. But I also think that it, and I hate I I hate to talk about games comparatively, but like you can see them adding those shades and it's not just so obvious like hey empire bad i tell you empire bad now let me go see oh empire bad i will join you because empire bad i mean like i I feel like sometimes empire Empire is very bad (laughs) exactly (laughs) um and i feel like occasionally i'm like all right i get it especially because as celosi pointed out like the lapont thing and the matthew thing happened back to back and i'm like all right and I mean, the, what's the story uh, bit after that is the uh, is the great forest stuff where an, an, an elf goes to your doorstep begging you to to save um, the elven village from the empire. You head over there. Uh, the the kobolds and elves and dwarves don't trust humans at all. They, they basically all kick you out or doubt you or hate you automatically. And but then after the empire strikes back, haha. <laughs> uh and 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 wipes out uh all right good night everyone yeah <laughs> wipes out one or two of those villages then you'll have a group of elves and kobolds uh agree to join your group like it's it's like no one doubts you until it's too late and then you uh and then you know you you recruit your next group of characters and move on to the next story story uh story bit uh and and it happens really quickly again like that whole elves dwarves kobolds thing is maybe 
two or three short dungeons and three villages and it takes place in like an hour maybe maybe another 90 minutes when it would be like a five-hour arc i think and if the game was made in the 2010s and not the 90s so i like i wonder if they if they had a limited time or budget with this game and really really wanted to hit the points they wanted to hit of recruiting 108 characters and uh and having and and you know and, and liberating a nation from an oppressive empire like, like they they basically accomplished the biggest things they wanted to accomplish but it all happens real fast because they were limited by time is I, I that's what this this game feels rushed to me i think part of it is that it's 1995 and part of it is that uh i like maybe they were <laughs> trying to make trying to make it uh finish the game by the end of the fiscal Apparently, according to uh, the wiki, it took about two years to develop, which means they were working off a PlayStation development kit without an actual, probably, like, final unit of PlayStation because it was released in the end of 94 in Japan. Um, so it was probably a combination of factors. It was probably time crunch around the end and the fact that they were using, they were developing a game for a system that wasn't really released yet and was brand new, so they didn't really know what it could do. Um, a real... Like I think, I think what they did is quite remarkable, considering the restraints they were under, or the constraints they were under. Yeah, uh, that is true. But I mean, examining it from a vacuum, uh, Suikoden Two is obviously better in every way. It's it's a perfect sequel. It, it, it's it's an incredible sequel. The uh, and and the, the pace is a little bit more relaxed. And they allow different characters and different storylines to to marinate a little bit more, and and it doesn't seem like like the the moment to moment parts of the plot are just less feel less jarring in Suikoden Two, even though a whole lot of stuff happens, and 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 the the amount of drama is is just as high, if not higher, in Suikoden Two. But I would say like, higher, and a lot of shades of gray in Suikoden Two too. While we were talking about shades of gray, and like that, that's the game, really. Yeah, I mean, there are a couple, um, there are some groups of people in Suikoden 2 that are, I would say, obviously evil, and yes. people that are, that are trying to, uh, whose intentions are always good, but the, but the outcomes in Suikoden 2 are, um, do have shades of gray, and, like, g even good people doing the right thing, um, inf uh, like, inflicting casual, uh, maybe not atrocities, but, 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 but causing people, others to suffer is, is part of Suikoden 2 that's like like both Suikoden 1 and 2 are about the horrors of war to a degree and trying to like tell a fantasy story in uh like like, like with a war sensitive and political con uh, uh connotation that I, I think is successful in both of those games but Suikoden 2 did it better and I think that's probably because a combination of they they, they sort of knew how to develop for the PlayStation at that time even though the games feel almost the same, like, the, like they're done in a similar or the same engine. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I always kind of think of these, of this game and Suikoden 2 as like two sides of the same coin. Um, and I agree with you, of course, Suikoden 2 is a better game, but Suikoden 2 is better than all the games. But um, one, Period, one thing every that, game. Exactly. <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> Thank uh, you for saying it, Jono. Uh, <laughs> listen, listen to our PS1 episode from a couple years ago <laughs> and you'll, you'll understand. Yeah, uh, but I think that one of the things that people don't talk about a lot with this game is the personal nature. Um, we've already sort of gone through those no those moments of what is personal for Tur in a way that even for Ryu, and it touches him, but like in like sort of like a 
historical way in Suikoden 2. But here, it's like literally your dad is one of the five great generals of the Scarlet Moon Empire. And you become the leader of the army that moves against him. And I think that they do a great job of, in a very short span of time, as we've been talking about, convincing you that he would do that, but also showing you the loss that he will experience as a result. Because we haven't talked about the fact that Pawn betrays you, um, then he comes back um, over the course of this. Like You, you, you have some personal loss um, that you deal with over this. And I think that the personal element of Suikoden 1 might be outside of maybe Suikoden 5, like as strong as it gets um, in this series. And I think that that makes it like sort of hum more for me. Um, and even all the stuff with Ted, and we don't know what's going to happen to Ted at this point in the narrative. Um, yeah, I, I, I have, I, 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 I haven't met my father yet. Um, other than, other than the opening scenes of the game. And, right. and I know, I know that clash is coming yeah. and, and Pan, um, betrays you to the Empire right near the beginning because he's loyal to your dad and the Empire, but then comes back and betrays the Empire for uh to help you and then mm-hmm. and, and and rejoins and, and so you know he's he's troubled by everything going on right and all that interpersonal sort of tension like I feel like it makes even more sense here than it does in the Suikoden Two. Um, Suikoden Two, of course, is is richer, but I I think that the story here, especially if it was given five more hours to breathe, would be is phenomenal and could be even better. Um, and the fact that it's still touching, uh, and to me, I still have that connection with the character, unlike Corey, um, in that period of time, I think is kind of remarkable. But it, it's not just Pawn. The, th- the thing is, Pawn almost feels like a throwaway monk character, except, except for this betrayal thing that happens over two scenes. Mm-hmm. And, and Valeria, who I mentioned before, is probably my favorite minor character in the game so far. She was an Imperial soldier, that when they found out the imperial uh, the imperial plot that she was going to be a part of betrays them and tries to and tries to save the elven and and kobold kingdoms, but but she's locked up for being for being a, a traitorous human. And Kirkus, the elf that led you to the kobolds and elven village, is the again the only elf that is uh, that trust that you know is willing to risk trusting humans to to save the, to save them from this. So uh, and. And, and and both of them have a surprising struggle. And then the uh, I forget his name because I again I I only it, it, it I only met him like <laughs> an hour before recording. But the the kobold that joins you near the end of those quests, um, is 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 grieving because his vi- he thinks his village was wiped out, uh, and is completely unable to trust humans until he until he until you protect him from imperial soldiers. So th- there's just a lot of minor personal tragedies happening to characters that seem minor or throwaway that endears you to them a little bit more closely. It's like you're playing a Fire Emblem game that has 50 characters in it, and you don't really get to know those characters until you hear them in, in support side conversations. But but, but it in 1 and, and 2, but we're playing 1, so let's talk about that one, I guess. Like, by getting these brief anecdotes in the story and going back to base and talking to the characters you've recruited and seeing who else they've made friends with, or what they're saying at base, it, it like endears you to dozens of characters with remarkable ease. So it's it's like it, it would be easy to have 108 complete throwaway characters, but they're they're they do a good job of of making the that 108 uh, feel like, like like feel cozier, um, like you're closer to these characters than than a worse written game would do. Do you, do you mm-hmm. feel where I'm coming from? 
Yeah, I do. Um, it's it it's very and it also helps that you have to recruit them in a variety of different ways. Like you really need to figure it out, and that's part of their story. Whether or not that's like bring them like I think one of my favorite bit. This is this isn't a spoiler for story, but it's a bit of a spoiler of how to recruit someone. It's like if you oh, want that, that doesn't count as a spoiler. Go ahead. Yeah, if me. you want to if you want to collect the blacksmiths, you need to make sure that you have all of the blacksmiths like in your party, uh, and it's like they're almost like. Uh, they're almost like a team. I guess they were all students of the same person, um, which to me, even though, you know, you just use them to upgrade your weapons, uh, the fact that that's how you recruit them uh, makes them seem more real to me. Or the fact that in some cases you need to be frustratingly good at gambling to get people to join you. Oh, gosh, yeah. I can't believe I got, I got Taiho and Suikoden 2 on the very first hand that I played. And then the, and then to recruit uh, the second gambler guy in Suikoden 1, it took me... I think five or six resets, and then and then I didn't even win by beating him. He beat himself by by throwing the instant lose hand. So it's <laughs> uh, it, it can be it can be frustrating um, when some things are left to chance. I know that for uh, uh, I I mean, I've been following a no a non spoiler recruitment guide, so I don't miss any of the hundred and eight stars. And one of them told me that uh, one character entry told me that uh, you may need to reset this duel because a, a cert- there's a, a high chance a certain character dies. Oh, yeah. yeah you're, you, you're, you should be. Uh, you're all those, all those characters you started with at the beginning, make sure that you have them at least at level 30 and totally sharpened. Uh, <laughs> okay, um, so. Uh, give me that guide, please. Yeah, uh, sh- sure. <laughs> um, it, I'll keep Gremio, Pawn, Cleo, and Tyr, of course. Uh, uh, well sharpened. Did I forget anyone? No, that's it. That's, that's, that's them. True. You, you um, mentioned the no, one you Ed's need. Ed's toast so. by then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and true, I genuinely like them as party members, perhaps other than Gremio, who again is is Mister Average or below average. Um, it's a perfectly yeah. nice character, though. Like, yeah, very nice. One minded. One minded. Like, I I disliked Gremio maybe less than ever this time, but man. Every single time I play this game, I'm like, oh my god, Gremio, go away. I, 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 my, my problem isn't with him as a character. My problem is him always being in my party when I have a, a castle with, with, with yeah, a castle full of like 30 characters that I would rather have instead of him. He cares about Young Master, and he cares about Stu, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, he cares about, what's, about Young Master, and that dinner service is perfect. Yes. <laughs> but, uh... N- Zach and Jono, Corey and I have not played this game before. Um, can you tell us either one character or one scenario from the second half of the game that you, you sort of can't wait for a reaction to or are looking forward to ex- re-experiencing? That's easy. Um, when you do, in fact, meet Tio mm-hmm. McDole again on the battlefield, it's a phenomenal sequence. There's so much good stuff. The very last sequence of the game... Um, you just uh, which, stole mine. <laughs> uh, is also really good. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I will stop okay. talking. <laughs> you no, talked about the last sequence of the game. <laughs> uh, no, I, that was it. Like the last sequence of the game. The uh, again, we can't really. I don't want to spoil it for you, but there's some there's some really good character stuff that goes on in the last few minutes of the game. Uh, that's that I think both of you will really enjoy. A lot of care. A lot of payoffs. I mean, and it gets to everything that's weekend it is. Yeah. Um, over the course of the series about being about personal passions and people making mistakes 
Yeah. And I feel like, you know, early on, and and at this point, I think that you've cleared what Quanda at this point. Slow yeah, season, I, right? I, I just beat Quanda like yeah. 20 minutes before recording. And they do some things with Quanda and some of the early generals that I think I'm like, oh, that's not very sweet it in because there's some rune on their arm that makes them act crazy. Um, but some of the later ones, no, they're, they're acting of their own volition. And I think that when you see some of that playing out, I'm like, all right, this is what this series is about. And it captures it like so well, so early. Like I'm like, this game is amazing. I can't wait for hundred heroes. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I mean, mean, my advice for my advice for both of you, and you'll both be looking at a guide, so it's probably not going to be a problem. But if you're ever given the option to kill anyone, except for one character, always never kill them. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, when you after you defeat Wanda, and I mean, there's the one re- character who it, it just feels real good to kill, though. <laughs> yeah, it's fair. Is it is it Gremio? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny for so many reasons. <laughs> I mean, I, mean, I think it, I think it might be Craze because that guy. Yes, that, that guy's a jerk. Um, yeah. Although I, I did spare him after he almost killed uh, Lapont's wife, but um, but when after you defeat Wanda, uh, and the rune that was making him crazy disappears, he sort of realizes everything he's done and 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 offers his head to you. He's like he's like, look, I I, I see what's happened here. Um, go ahead and execute me. And but it's I think it's still a very sweet moment to spare him oh. and and tell him no yeah. in, in, instead of me killing you you're going to join our army and that's going to be how you repent like the, like that kind of attitude feels very you know uh chinese japanese melodrama suikoden in, in like yeah, in, that's fair well yeah. l- l- like you know l- like a chinese general playing violin in a tower uh, <laughs> a, a kind of kind of moment that that i associate with that kind of with that you know the brand of literature that uh that water margin is so I, I I'm looking forward to all of this. I can't wait to see the rest of the wacky crew that uh that joined. I know there's gonna be at uh you know I, I'm I'm pretty sure that I'm about to do the part of the story with Flick in it, and I know that uh that Flickter is the ultimate power cu- uh couple of Suikoden. So That's I'm, a true story. <laughs> so I'm I'm looking forward to to getting to know Flick in the next story arc. I I haven't done it yet, but I saw that he's in the command room <laughs> of my castle right when i uh, right before i saved mm-hmm. uh and yeah so i just i'm just looking forward to meeting the rest of the 108 yeah. and, so and see, um, you're kind of getting the same experience that i got with yakuza with me playing yakuza kiwame first and then going back to zero it's you're kind of getting that same experience where you're like seeing where they end up and now you're seeing where they came from yeah but me playing suikoden 2 before one is a little bit like that and it's even though i see the value in playing them in the intended order. I, I, I don't feel bad about missing out before because I, again, I don't, I, I am, I care less about spoilers than just about anyone else that I know, because I think that there's, there's a part of it is that the journey is more important than the destination, but also there's value in seeing your expectations fulfilled rather than always having them to, rather than always needing to be surprised. So even though I'm not surprised uh, by seeing familiar faces as we get in one, I, it's still great to see them, and I'm looking forward to playing. And uh, Corey, I, I think you're enjoying this about as much as I am. So uh, you're looking forward to how this turns out as well. Yeah, very much. Um, kind of want to see. We talked a lot about the story not being super gray, and I was kind of hoping that y'all were going to say that it got more nuanced. Um, I'm a little bit disappointed that it doesn't sound like it does. Uh, but I'm really, I'm really enjoying it. Um, I haven't even 
gotten to any point in the game where uh, I'm playing with all the mechanics. Like, I still haven't done any duels or any of the, the larger field battles that I've read about. Yeah, um, I, I just did the very first two, uh, one of those each. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're pretty close. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that and just kind of seeing what foundation of the series is. Um, I, I think this is the first series I've played, like first retro series I've played in a long time where I, I feel pretty committed to playing other entries as well. Like y'all are talking about Suikoden 2. I, I really want to see what that's about. Again, I, I, I was not a Suikoden 2 doubter. I was a Suikoden 2 avoider for many years because, again, it's, it's one of the rarest, most expensive PS1 RPGs. And uh, and then when it came out um, on PSN, I like I had already started the podcast and we sort of planned on doing Suikoden 2 for a while, then finally did it. So I was sort of saving Suikoden 2 for the right occasion. And when I finally got to it, it's like, oh, this is one of the best games ever made. Holy moly. And um, and Suikoden 1 is like a is a valuable, worthy prequel to Suikoden 2. So Corey, I, I, and we're only in part one of the Suikoden 1 podcast, but I urge you to play Suikoden 2 <laughs> at a later date. At yeah, some point I'm in the future. pretty sure it's going to happen, just based on how much I'm enjoying this one already. But uh, we're not going to do a, sec- a third Sweet It In 2 podcast, I think. Maybe, maybe I'll want to play Sweet It In 2 in a couple months, and we can, and we can, we can revisit that one. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, you know, that maybe... the month before I joined RPG Fan. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe I'm not against it, but we'll, we'll save that. We'll save the sequel implications for part two. Um, uh, uh, thank you so much, Corey, Jono, and Zach, for uh, discussing Sweet In 1 with me. Again, I'm only about eight hours in, but it's going to be... Uh, no trouble at all for me to finish this one. I'm definitely committed. I'm definitely excited. And we can uh, get into the second half of Suikoden 2. I'm sorry, second half of Suikoden 1 in part 2 of our podcast next week. But what's coming up after more Suikoden next week? Um, we have the month of July planned out. We're going to do two episodes on Tales of Exilia, the PlayStation 3 Tales of game that sort of brought the two Tales teams into one. So I'm uh, in- interested to, talk- to finally get around to playing that game that I've another one that I've been uh, ignoring or avoiding for 10 years. Um, and we're also doing an episode on video game accessibility, which is a, uh, a topic that is near and dear to the, uh, a number of the hearts at RPG fan. I'm not sure if that's going to be the first or second episode in July. It depends on people's schedules, but please look forward to that. And also I am in the midst of writing another quiz show episode so oh, that no. I so that is probably going to happen in July, uh, in the first or second week of July, unless I really hit writer's block block on those uh, on those quiz questions. So I look forward to losing again. <laughs> we'll see. Spectacularly on my side. <laughs> uh, so please look forward to gaming accessibility, a new quiz show, and Tales of Exilia next month. But if you want to reach out to us listeners uh, as a podcast, the best way to do so is to email retro at rpgfan.com. You can also go to RPGFan.com's message boards, our Facebook page, our Discord server, our YouTube channel, our Twitch channel, something going on basically every night on Twitch. And, uh, and a lot of the content we make for the, web, for the website will have a video component or companion on YouTube. There are also three other fine podcasts on RPGFan.com. There's Random Encounter every two weeks, mostly about randomness, mostly hosted by you, John. Yeah, next episode's going to be a big one. We're going to be talking about uh, all of the news announced at Not E3. That's right. Uh, the week of um, of uh, June 6th through 13th is going to be probably the biggest uh, um, news week of the year for video games. Uh, we're, we're in that week right now recording this episode a little bit early. 
So uh, uh, by the time, well, I should say before this episode comes out, we will have that random encounter episode all about the biggest gaming news of the biggest gaming news week. Uh, but that's not the only podcast we have on our RPG fan. There's also Rhythm Encounter every other two weeks, and that's mostly about RPG music. And in addition to Random Rhythm and Retro, there is Phoenix Edge, a podcast mostly about current events, currently on hiatus. Hopefully, uh, um, Hat and Eric and the guys on Phoenix Edge come back soon. But you can review Retro Encounter, Random Encounter, Rhythm Encounter, or Phoenix Edge on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, whatever uh, podcast service you use. Please leave feedback. We love feedback. Five stars, five stars. But if you want to give a five-star review to any of the panelists here as individuals, how do we do so? Let's tell them, starting with you, Zach. Uh, you can email me, ZachW at RPGFan.com, or you can find me on RPGFan's Discord at ZachW. Now, Corey. You could email me at CoreyT at RPGFan, or you can find me on Twitter at MoreCoffee88. More spelled M-O-A-R, because when you need more coffee, that's how you, that's how you pronounce more. More <laughs> exactly coffee. <laughs> And Jono, how can listeners find you? Uh, you can send me an email to jlogan at rpgfan.com, or you can find me on Twitter at Jono underscore Logan. And listeners, maybe you've heard me say this over 200 times. I'm most easy to find on Twitter. I am at The Real Monsoon most of the time, at Evoca for Dogs at other times. And on RPG Fans Discord, I am Monsoon White. So I have probably around 70 to 75 more characters to recruit before we reconvene. Because if I don't get to all 108, I'll really feel bad. That's a true story in this game, in particular. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what the end game change is for Suikoden 1, for getting all 108, but I know what it is for Suikoden 2. And if it's anything like that, I, I agree, Zach. Uh, listeners. Like oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta be honest, though. I mean, for, without spoiling anything, for Corey, Corey, maybe just go for 106. Don't, don't find the last one. I think I think you'll like it better, actually, given a lot of what you said on this podcast. <laughs> uh, hmm, I don't know. Uh, listeners, well, okay. I, I do know a little bit. But listeners, thank you. Good night and good luck. Good luck.